0: Sports cars, Range Rovers, helicopters, and fake diamonds? TJ, bro, where did this budget come from? Plus, have the rookies already missed their chance? Did the challenge just lose a potential all-star? Are Josh and Fessy getting better or worse at this game? Is Nelson the worst ladies' man ever, or do I just have Ashley goggles on? And, oh my god, we've got to talk about Bettina and that laugh. It's the challenge, spies, lies, and allies, but mostly lies this time. Episode 2 recap coming right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge. Past, present, or future, if it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today. On today's pod, we will be talking all things Spies, Lies, and Allies, Episode 2. To kick it off, we're going to do a Cliff Notes review of everything that happened to get your brain back focused on the game. Then we'll dive deep into the main storyline of the episode, discuss it at depth before moving on to a few secondary storylines as well. Beyond that, we will take a look at both the Daily Challenge and the Elimination, give them the proper breakdowns they deserve, and then finally, we're going to talk some awards, some power rankings, and some predictions, which, spoiler alert, last week's predictions and yesterday's predictions, really spot on from this guy, so I'm hoping we can do that again this time around. That'll be how we end the podcast. Now, that is a lot to cover, but before we get into it, one quick housekeeping note to put out there. Um, And that is that our first ever Tuesday Review Preview Micropod went up yesterday, and those are going to be happening all season long. So be sure you are following or subscribing to this podcast, depending where you listen. Hit that follow, hit that subscribe, so you get those podcasts in your feeds as well as these recap episodes. Those Tuesday shows, if you missed last week's uh, recap and explainer of what those were going to be, on Tuesdays, every evening on Tuesday, we're going to do super short, 10 to 15 minutes max Little micropods that cover all of the news coming out of the challenge world that is related to the current season. Key thing there, related to the current season, not everything. There's always a lot going on on the social channels with all of our challenge players. But anything related to the current season, we're going to be talking about there in a quick succession on Tuesday. So Aftermath, IG Lives, bonus YouTube content, anything that's come out that's related to this season and that you might need to know for the storylines, We're going to make sure that you're not missing any of it, that you're covered. So we're going to review the week that happened before. We're going to discuss what's happened in that time since, and we're going to preview the next night's episode. Those are on Tuesdays. Those will be short, 10 to 15 minutes, little micropods, get you back geared up, ready for the new episode. And then these recap podcasts, like the one you're listening to right this very moment, will continue to then be in your feed every Thursday morning, bright and early, right after the night before the new episode has aired these, who knows how long they're going to be. I'm going to stop trying to act like there's any time limit on them. They're going to be as long as they need to be, but they're going to be there every Thursday morning. So episode airs that that following morning. You'll have this recap feed in your feed, excuse me, recap podcast in your feed. Then that next Tuesday evening, review, preview, get you all set for the following episode. So that's our plan. That's our schedule. It's going to be like that all season long for Spies, Lies, and Allies. So Definitely hit that follow, hit that subscribe if you want to be getting all that content. And then give us a follow on Instagram as well, at Historian, where soon enough we'll be pumping out daily content, some extra stuff to go along with this podcast. So that's going to be up and really, really going soon. It's a little light right now. I, I apologize for that, but we're going to be getting that up to a daily level here very, very soon. So a lot of content out there. Please Follow it all. We love you for being here. We very much appreciate it. And without further ado, let's dive into Episode 2 of Spies, Lies, and Allies by first giving a brief recap of everything that we just saw go down. Let's quickly recap everything we just saw in this episode so we can get our brains reoriented. We can remember all of the things we saw because there was a lot. And then we'll dive into the storyline. So here we go. Cliff Notes recap in three, let Let's go. Everyone is back at the house celebrating Corey and Michelle for their win and also celebrating new guy Ed for being Ed and being great and being in the house. How do they celebrate? A party, of course. At that party, we learn a few things. One, Gabo really loves Jersey Shore, which, duh. And we also learn Emmanuel really good at dancing. Double duh. And we see two couples end up in bed together, Kels and Tori, who keep it more casual and chatty, as well as Nelson and Ashley, who maybe get a little more personal. Now, the next day, the vets begin to marvel at Kels and his physical strength. They watch him work out. They're in a little bit of fear. Josh has decided he will take over the leadership of the Veteran Alliance, and he wants Kels out. A daily challenge then happens, but before it starts breaking news, Lauren, who we didn't see at all on this show, is out. We never saw her. In comes reigning champion Amber, double aged champion Amber B, now just Amber, to be Josh's partner. Ooh, big time game changer for Josh and potentially for the game. Onto the Daily Challenge, where one partner is in a helicopter, throwing bags of diamonds down to their other partner, who is standing in the sunroof of a Range Rover trying to catch those. After they got all of them dropped down, they get out of the car, race to a finish line, and whoever catches the most and finishes fastest wins. In a very tight race, Fessy and Esther get the win, and the power is now in the Vets and the Big Brother Alliance's hands. Back at the house, the cast cleans up real, real nice. They head off to their own off-site bar, and for the first season, we see this new challenge bar, and it is lit. Now, during the bar, Fessy wants to cut a deal with Kels, who says no thank you, Nelson for... God love him, decides he and Ashley are not maybe actually a thing after all. So it's fine if he tries to hit on and maybe even sleep with Berna, which of course leads to Ashley letting Nelson and then Berna have it later that night back at the house. Josh and Devin then, the next day, play chess, or sometime in the future, play chess, which is hilarious on its own, Josh and Devin playing chess, but Devin lets Josh just fully take the lead, take aim at Kells, go for it, you do the work. In nominations, Josh does that work. He calls out Kells for making deals with everyone in the house, which... We learn literally no one has made a deal with Kels. Kels calls Josh out on that. No one comes forward. No one has it because Josh is outed just as a complete bold-faced liar, but no one cares, and they all vote for Kels anyways. Tracy, she's going into because her and Kels are partners. Prior to elimination, some last-minute talks are had by Fessy with some other vets to decide who he and Esther want to throw in versus Kels Tracy, and he floats Amber's name out there to Josh, who is not having it, but Fessy lets it be known like dog. I do what I want. You should know this by now. So I'm thinking about it. We get to elimination. And Fessy and Esther, they don't go with Amber. They don't go with any of the other vets. They go with Ed and Emmy, both rookies and partners. Those two are going in versus Kells and Tracy. The game they play is a combination physical puzzle thing. And at the very end, After both teams kind of have some falters, Emmy and Ed are able to pull out the win, get their first win, and send Kells and Tracy home. Ed then chooses Tori as his new partner, second time in a row Tori's been picked. Emmy then chooses Devin as her new partner, second time in a row for Devin as well, number one draft pick Devin. Then that puts Corey and Michelle together as a new all-rookie team. And throughout everything we just recapped, TJ, excuse me, Mr. TJ, looks, sounds, and overall is just great. That's everything that happens. So, with that, we're back on track. We know what it all happened. Let's break down the main storyline of the episode. Alright, so the main storyline of this episode, which there was a handful of, which we'll get some of the secondary ones in the next segment. But for this one, there was really a main storyline, as there usually is. This one was very clear, and that storyline was that Kells was going to be a problem for the vets, and they did not want to wait to deal with him. It was Kells versus the vets. It was still that vets rookie kind of, you know, they're kind of trying to make that the story, but it's a lot more the vets um, just kind of picking off the rookies versus an actual vets versus rookies. There's not a lot of fire coming back from the rookies. We'll get to that in a minute, but this episode was all about just Kels is a problem. The vets don't want to deal with that problem later. They want to deal with it now. Kells versus the vets. That was the story. And uh, we'll start with saying, you know, good on the vets for being smart enough to start taking shots at this dude early. Because, as we said in our preview of Kells, as we uh, I think briefly mentioned in last week's recap, even though he wasn't super duper involved other than that little romance with Tori, um, Kells is going to be a problem on the show, or was going to be a problem on this show. And you know, the dude that big, that strong, and clearly that smart, and taking this so serious. You got to start taking your shots early if you don't want to face him yourself down the line. I totally get it. I think it's good strategy. And it's even better because after the first, you know, first elimination, he loses his partner of Tori, who is a bit of his safety blanket. We'll come back to that in a second as well. But partnered with Tracy, potentially, you know, no shots. Uh, Tracy seems like a lovely, lovely person. Um, We didn't see a lot of her this season, but probably one of the weaker females in the house, or at least viewed clearly by the vets as one of the weaker females in the house. Suddenly, he's partnered with her. This is your shot. It's early. You go after him early, often, and when he's at his weakest with a potential, you know, for him to get a new partner later. This is when you want to go on him. So while we will eventually talk about all of the ways the strategy wasn't executed to perfection by some of the vets. <laughs> Josh, <clears throat> um, excuse me, but uh, but it was a good strategy nonetheless from a high level of let's get this guy out as early as we can. Let's take shots at him. It might take a few times. Let's go for Kells right now. Let's not let him sit around and gain any power at any point. So good on them. Bummer for Kels that just merely his sheer physical size had the vets so shook that they not aren't just scared of him, but they dub him the leader of the rookies, even though he's not trying to be some rookie alliance leader at all, but they kind of put this fake moniker on him. They put this fake gameplay on him, all this stuff about him, all to mask just what they're not willing to say, and that is, dude's huge. If we see him in a physical elimination, we're done for. He, And they don't want to see him. They don't want to see him in a a hall brawl. They don't want to see him in a lot of the daily challenges where you're going to get to put your hands on each other. And they don't want to see him in a final where there might be segments where you could put your hands on each other. So they don't want to see this guy in general. None of them are willing to say it. They all kind of act like he's kind of the the head of the snake, they say multiple times, of the rookie alliance, which, again, doesn't seem to exist. But, you know, let the vets keep making up this boogeyman. It's working for him so far. So um, we, you know, we touched on, you know, the rookies again, flat out not trying to band together at all, which um, at least I should say it's not shown that they're trying to band together at all. Uh, the only instance we even get of it at all is after the fact that Kells is thrown in. We get Priscilla and Tacha kind of maybe scheming a little bit with Kells, but mostly just kind of being there for him to blow off some steam. So at least as far as the edit showing literally no one on the rookies is trying to step up and say hey there there is there was more of us let's go for a vet let's let's try to turn the tables none of that um, the other thing with this storyline, uh, moving through, um, we're kind of jumping around with, throughout the story, staying on the storyline, but next part, Tori, as we mentioned earlier, was Kels' lifeline after she was stolen. Now he's with Tracy. He doesn't have that lifeline and that definitely left him vulnerable. That romance that he was trying to brew up with Tori couldn't save him. That friendship that they ultimately seemed to have had, um, <clears throat> couldn't save him. On Tori's side, she is confronted about possibly voting for Kells and Looks at it as potentially the vets trying to test her, seeing whether she'll tell him, whether she'll actually vote for him, anything like that. We don't know until we watch Aftermath if she voted for him or not, and they don't know in the moment, regardless, at any point, um, whether she tells them whatever she tells them. She tells them. They don't know if they believe or not, but she did not tell him that everyone was coming, so she at least passed, if it was a test, passed that portion of it with the vets. We get to that party and Kel's kind of known he's on the chopping block. Him and Fessy have a conversation. And that conversation was fascinating to me. It showed why one of many reasons why I'm so so sad that this episode ended with Kel's going home, because uh he definitely just had he had good strategy and um he had just great responses to everything, including probably his best one of the whole episode. Well, he had a lot in the deliberation and we'll talked about that momentarily. But when he was talking with Fessy, and Fessy comes up and is like, yo. In the most vague, fessy-esque way, basically says, I won't go for you, you don't go for me. How about that? Kells just comes right back to him with, Hey man, you know, a deal could maybe happen between us, but like, don't come to me when you're in power. Who's gonna respect a deal that, you know, is brokered in such a way where one side has all the leverage? That's not that's not a quality deal. I ain't making one of those. I don't want to make it necessarily make a deal with you anyways. I'm just trying to be here, you know, back up off. And I thought it was amazing. I thought it was an unbelievable ass answer, and I thought the reason they cut away very quickly after Kels's answer because it seemed like Fessy was straight up had no idea what to say back to that. He was totally shook by it. Very much, kind of, I think, expected Kels to be like, "Yeah, all right, you're in power. Like, great. Uh, Not coming for you. Great. Good job. Uh, We're the two big guys. Good." And none of that happened. So that was an amazing moment for Kels and showed just the strategy, the wit, everything. This guy's not just a physical presence. And again, it's very, very sad that he's going to be leaving us. But we aren't there quite yet. We then go to the deliberation, which, oh, my gosh. So, again, the Vets had a great strategy. Where the execution fell apart was in the deliberation. It still worked. But Josh comes in hot, steps up, first one to talk, and just throws out a bunch of lies about Kels making deals with everyone. And Kels very smartly says, yo, calmly, uh, I should add, also very calm, very collected during the whole thing. Kind of makes a quick joke of, oh, you know, this is kind of awkward, and then says, I ain't making deals with anyone. And it says, and Josh kind of says, Yes, you are. You know, don't, don't do that. He goes right at Josh, did I make a deal with you? Gabo, did I make a deal with you? You, did I make a deal with you? Any ladies in the room? Anyone in the room, did I make a deal with anyone? No one steps up. A couple other vets peek up and say, you know. Did anyone make a deal with him? Is anyone going to come out? Like, it would look a lot better if one of us would just say that we made a deal with him and add to Josh's lies. No, no one's going to come to Josh's defense. Okay, great. And none of them come to Josh's defense. They let Josh just lie through his teeth. Everyone in the room clearly understands that Josh is lying. Literally everyone. And it doesn't matter. No one cares. Uh, Devin at least speaks up and gives Kells the chance and says, hey, uh, well, if it's not you, who should we vote for? And Kells, very honorable, doesn't point a finger at anyone, doesn't tr- choose another rookie, doesn't, you know, the way Michaela and Michelle ended up kind of going at each other last week, uh, also should be noted after the vets kind of put out some lies or not full truths to get Michaela on the hot seat, pitted those two versus each other. Kells does not go that direction. He stays cool, calm, and collected and just says, clearly we've shown that everything that's said is a lie, I ain't gonna point the finger at anyone else, and everyone votes, and Kels goes in. So then the elimination, um, they face uh, Kels and, and Tracy face off against Ed and Emmy. Very solid team to face. Um, both good pick by the vets, and you know very very solid team for Kels and, and excuse me Kels and Tracy to have to face. And you know we'll say it again, no shots here, but Kels. Uh, definitely was you know carrying a lot of the weight of his team. Um, Tracy had some struggles. Emmy had some struggles on the other side. And really, I mean, that was the part that was going to be the struggles. Kelsen had no problem just flipping that gate up and down over and over. And ultimately, the puzzle, a map of the world, not super-duper hard. As long as you don't get flustered, I think we could all put together a very basic just outline silhouette map of the world, I hope. Um, I shouldn't just say that so confidently, but I'm, I'm going to say it confidently. I could definitely do that. I think all of us could probably do that very quickly. So the real, the real difficulty of this entire challenge was being in the spot that the two women, Emily, Emmy and Tracy were in. They both faltered at different times, ultimately Ed and Emmy get the win and Cal's goes home and Tracy goes home. But the storyline, you know, really was the cows versus the vets. They took their shot. They, without perfect execution, nailed, made the shot and you know, it probably it's one of those shots. It, it went off the backboard. It rolled around the rim. It maybe went off the backboard a second time, and eventually fell in. It wasn't a perfect. wasn't wasn't a, you know swish, but they made the shot. They got Kells out of the game. And all we got to say, is you know, damn, like. <laughs> It's a big, big bummer. First off, if you listen to the previews, you know Kells was only one of uh, now uh, three rookies, now the Eds in the house, whose show I had actually seen, who I actually had any uh, knowledge of coming in or any relationship to as far as having watched them on the season of a different show, him on Too Hot to Handle. I thought he was going to be great in this show, and in his two episodes, I think he was great. He proved if they bring him back, he could potentially be a very dominant force in this game, which is why I think it was such a big, big loss for the challenge in general that Cal that Kells had to go home or didn't have to, but went home so so early. Because I just I just saw him as one of the rookies that could really, really shine from the social side we were seeing it, from the strategy political side we were seeing it, from just the wit and being clever and smart and having good comebacks. We saw that. And then obviously the physical presence the athletic abilities that we didn't really get to see put on full display we never got to see with all that physicality we saw in the you know the trailers for the season we didn't get to see him do anything super duper physical we didn't get to see him put his hands on anyone that is a huge bummer and that is a huge potential loss for the challenge I'm sure they're going to invite this guy back I don't know how they could have seen while albeit brief this performance and not bring the guy back but um if they don't or if he doesn't want to or just you know he, he very easily could have been the next big star. He still very well could be one of the next big stars of this show. The way I was kind of viewing him is kind of as, you know, no shots at Fessy or I guess even somehow CT and all this. But, you know, Fessy has kind of been the last few seasons looked at as like oh new CT, even though, you know, that's that's disrespectful to CT and the legacy is the greatest character ever in the history of reality television no one should ever be compared to him please uh everyone out there in the challenge world don't compare anyone to ct ever um but fessy was looked at as this new big guy and the thing about fessy again this is no shots um but his first season on total madness he was kind of in the background he wasn't i don't think he was quite ready to be great on the show like great at the television portion of it But he was so big and so physically dominant. He got a great elimination matchup and he made it to a final. He was very impressive on the physical side. And then he kind of came alive on the show side in that second season of double agents. And, you know, he went the heel villain route more so, but he Became a little bit better on the show side, along with still being great at the sports side of things. And now this season, we're seeing him full on blast and lean into that villain role, very much more comfortable in front of the camera, and definitely one of the stars, early stars of the season, and becoming one of the big stars of the challenge. I saw Kells as, you know, fessy on, not on steroids. I don't want to, I don't even want to bring that word up. When talking about these two large men who I'm confident probably haven't, although that stuff, I'm pretty sure it used to happen on the challenge all the time, but I don't think it does anymore. Um, but as uh, like, you know, the next Fessy, but one that was ready for the camera right, right away. That wasn't going to maybe even take, you know, leaning on that physical side to get him far in the games, get him on a couple seasons in a row before he could really find himself and blossom into a true star show and sport. I feel like Kells came in ready, made to be a star show, sport, everything challenge related. And to have him not make that deep run, it, uh, the way Fassi did on that first season to give him that time to keep developing more and more. It's just a huge bummer. So the Vets win on that one. The Vets Alliance looking really, really good, looking dominant. Uh, should be reminded that on the Aftermath preview show, when asked two words to describe the season, Devin did say the first word he used was dominant. And his reason was saying that the people who do well in this game and the Alliance that does well does really, really well. And I'm starting to think, and it's starting to look like that means the veterans, um, they're knocking these rookies out very, very quickly. But Kells goes home, the the vets target him, they hit their shot, they take him out. That's our main storyline of the week. And now with that, we've you know dissected all of that. Let's rewind back to the beginning of the episode and touch on a couple of the secondary storylines that were floating a little more in the background this week, but could come to prominence again here in the future. Alright, into the secondary storylines. We talked about the main one, Kells versus the Vets. Kells goes home. Let's talk secondary storylines. There was a a handful of things going on, not in the background, but a little less attention, just keeping in our minds, potentially for future episodes, so let's talk about a few. The biggest, kind of the second biggest storyline, easily, of the episode is the Ashley Nelson Berna little... Love triangle or yelling triangle, whatever you want to call it, but it's a triangle, it's three people involved in a messy situation. And God love Nelson, just ah, what a national treasure Nelson truly is to all of us. May have him on every season until he wants to be done because this man truly, truly just brings great television wherever he goes, as does. The wonderful Ashley and, you know, Berna starting to make a mark a little bit here, at least be involved in the storyline, so seeing something from her. So quick recap, in episode one, it's made clear that uh, Ashley had moved to Austin, Texas, where Nelson lives, right down the street from Nelson, and they had maybe started hanging out, maybe started having sex with each other um, somewhat regularly, but just as friends, just as friends, but regularly, um, you know, staying the night at each other's homes or apartments or wherever they live down the street from each other in Austin. So when they got to the house, they were very cuddly, knudly They were kissing a little here and there. And then at the beginning of this episode, we see after the party the night after the first elimination, we see them end up in bed together and based on the time monikers that they put up, which was hilarious that they show Nelson get in Ashley's bed, and then they show 30 minutes later, and there's still movement going on in the bed. So great job, both of you. That was great job, producers of the show. That was kind of hilarious to see. But then immediately, you know, who knows with the edit of this stuff, if it's the next day, or two days later, or maybe it's five days later, whatever. And what's happened actually before, and when the sequence of all this, we don't, we don't know. We, if you've learned anything by watching the challenge, or if you've really not by watching the show, if you've learned anything by listening to all of the former challengers and current cast members talk about how the editing of the challenge works, you know that some of this could be in all kinds of order that not what we're actually seeing. But as far as how we see it, it's the only thing we can go off to talk of. Is that then within the next few days, everyone goes out to the challenge bar, which again should say uh, it's a bit more lit. Um, we'll talk about that in a moment as another secondary storyline. But they go to a, big, a new challenge bar off site, and suddenly Ashley Nelson, they have a little conversation. Ashley tells Nelson she's catching feelings. Nelson's like, "What? When did that happen? I thought we were just, you know, friends who had sex. You know, what? What do you mean feelings? Ashley, feelings? Nah, no, nah, get out of here. Get out of here." And he literally. It's like, get out of here. We're, we're, let's let's not chat anymore. And he goes to the other side of the bar and chats up Berna and tells Berna he likes her. And then they're all a little bit canoodly. She's touching his face a little. You know, they eventually walk out of the bar together. We get back to the house And all hell breaks loose, as expected. Ashley's like, what the fuck? What is going on? Why is this happening? What are you doing? She starts to yell at Nelson, but very quickly it just turns into more yelling at Berna, who she refuses to call by her actual name, which, regardless of what is going on, very, very disrespectful. They continually refer to her as Bertha, not just Ashley, but everyone else. And then there's a, you know, with a bunch of these folks that English maybe isn't their first language every time each time we see Ashley, he say Bertha. Someone else, one of the other global agents, peeks like perks up and says, "Like wait wait, wait Bertha Bertha," and then like someone now else is calling Berna Bertha, and it's super rude. But um, so Berna and Ashley have a little tit for tat. Nelson's right there. He's yelling. He's telling Ashley to calm down. Stop it. You're looking like a fool when. Nelson, like, regardless of what Ashley's looking like, you're also not looking super great in this moment. (laughs) Like, pick someone... Uh if you're if you're constantly getting in bed with someone and then she tells you she has feelings, maybe don't say that's great and walk across the bar and start hitting on someone else right in that moment, maybe give it a little time, have another conversation or two, but those three are all mixed up all together and I can only expect that there's going to be more fireworks to be had and it is one thing not just to keep an eye on from the drama perspective, the relationship perspective, but from the game perspective of, you know, these vets are looking strong, and somehow, some way, something has to tear them apart. And it clearly isn't going to be a big rookie alliance rising up and taking taking the game back over. So it's probably going to be some infighting amongst the vets. Whether that's you know Nelson and Fessier already on the outs now, is he going to burn his bridge with his his bestie female in the house, Ashley, who has her bestie Amanda also in the house, partnered with Kyle, another vet. Is Nelson about to be on the outs, and him and Corey are going to be stranded on the other side of the vet alliance? Who knows, but there's potentially some friction there amongst the vets coming out of this friction in that little romantic triangle. So that was one storyline. Then another one, Fessy. uh, Very good episode for Fessy all around. Um, Still being edited slightly as the villain, but not so much more from what he's doing. Just everyone around him still is calling him shady, saying, I don't know if we can trust him or a little worried about him. And he does lean into it a little bit. I absolutely loved. We referenced it. Um uh, during the brief, the recap, but after we, deliberation, they send in Kells and Tracy, he and Josh, Fess, meaning Fessy and Josh, have a conversation of, you know, who should I throw in, and Fessy's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Amber, and Josh is like, whoa, 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 what are you, what are you doing, nah, she's good, she's my partner, she's with us, she's with big brothers, everything from last season, is behind her, she won't throw you in, I promise, never gonna target you, never gonna do it, bro, and Fessy just, Gives Josh a look that he doesn't have to say a single word, which is how we know Fessy's really evolving into a great on the show side of things as well. Doesn't even have to say a word; just gives Josh a look like, "Nah, dude, I'm 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 running this this friendship right here, this alliance right here. I make the calls still. Yeah, I'm I might have uh, screwed some people over last year, but I make the calls. I'm Fessy. You're Josh." you know, know your place, says all of that with one look, it's hilarious, (laughs) Josh kind of takes it and is just like, no, don't don't do Amber, don't do Amber, so he gives that one little shady moment, he's leaning into it a little bit, loved seeing that from him, Uh, but he's definitely just kind of being put out there very clearly as the vet that no one really trusts, but also as the one they kind of fear, he and CT, who, by the way, not a part of any storyline this episode, last episode, just kind of in the background completely, which, Classic CT, he's gonna win, Um, anyways. uh, But I think Fessy and CT are kind of the two guys of the vets that everyone else is looking at as like, uh, you know, the as the strong favorites to uh, to win the whole thing if they let this veteran alliance literally go all the way to the very very end. Um, So he's being kind of painted as the vet no one trusts. So maybe that's the play, or maybe that's the one that if the rookies ever pull it together or if a small group of rookies ever, you know, can infiltrate the vets and get some people on their side, the person that they might aim for is Fessy because of his presence, similar to how Kell's got thrown in, similar to how Fessy's been thrown in potentially in the past. So uh, that was another storyline. Third secondary storyline is Amber's back uh, out with Lauren, who we never knew uh, she wasn't on the episode. And uh, because, I don't want to go on any of the spoiler sites that might tell me why she was edited out and why she was ultimately removed from the show um, because while I might find the information I want, I might also see a bunch of other stuff I don't want to know. So I have no information on you on that. I will try to do some very careful digging in next week's or next Tuesday's review preview before episode three. I'll see if I can come up with without... Seeing a bunch of other spoilers, anything reason why Lauren was edited out and eventually left the show. But she's out, never knew her. And in comes Amber, reigning champion. Amber, no longer Amber B, just Amber. She deserves her own name. Even if there was five other Ambers on the show, all of them would have to go by their last initial. Amber is Amber now, and she's back, and she's back. Coming in fierce, flying in in the sports car, coming out on back, bitches. Just awesome moments from her. Um, and she's back in the game. A reigning champ is here. Now we have three champions in the house. It's, it's pretty wild that it was just CT and Ashley with actual challenge championships. Their name, we've got a third champion in, but only on her second season that, uh, we previewed her. We knew she was going to be here. It was in the trailer. So, um, not a ton to talk about with this other than just awesome to see her back. She was great on double agents not just because she won, but she was just great in general. Happy to see her back, happy to see what happens, and just happy to have another champ in the house and to get rid of uh, a rookie who they were not showing us and to bring in a player who can be very interesting and very big part of the stories and very good at the game. So awesome having Amber here in the fourth and final of the kind of secondary storylines. This one uh, is very personal for me, is just... That the house this season is a bit more lit. We're edging back ever so slowly, baby step by baby step, towards that little more old school challenge vibe. We're we're still dealing with the pandemic, obviously. So they're not going to out to other bars with other interacting with anyone else out, you know, in Croatia or anything. But we've out goes the backyard bubble bar of last season and really of the bunker season as well, pretty much. Um they're Bunker Bar and then Bubble Bar. Now, while still fully enclosed, potentially without any windows, which, come on, guys, like let them, let them see uh, the outside world, but an off-site bar that's bigger, better, actual drinks. Looks like they've got all of the types of alcohol they want there, all the types of non-alcoholic drinks, potentially, they want as well, but fully stocked, and it's ramped up. They have a party at the house. They have a party at this bar. People are getting having fun. People are getting after it. People are dancing. People are dressing up. Love to see it, so just had to mention that that's also another storyline for the whole season in general, that we're edging back towards things being a little more fun, a little more joyful, a little more, you know, some pranks potentially in the future, some dancing going on, some drinking going on, all of that leads to good, good content and good, good show, so love seeing that. That is your storylines. We got the Ashley Nelson-Burna triangle. We got Fessy maybe being that bet that no one trusts. Amber B's back and the house is more lit. Those are four storylines that stood out in the background as potentially ones that could become the main storyline in future episodes. So that is that. We will now move into our breakdown of the daily challenge in the elimination. This is America's fifth professional sport. After all, we've got to treat it like that. So let's break down the athletic events of this episode. Let's talk athletics. Let's talk the daily challenge first, then the elimination. Break them both down here. So the daily challenge called Heli Heist. Uh, Overall grade up top. I'm going to give it a B with, as usual, some A visuals mixed in. But overall, I'm going to give it a B. Let's start with TJ's entrance. Um, This man just has it freaking made, and he very much deserves to have it freaking made. But my goodness, I mean... What is the point of the sports car? Why Why did he have to drive in going, What? who knows? It's tough to tell on screen, but I don't know, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, whatever he was going in the sports car. There was no point. The sports car had nothing to do with the actual challenge because for that, they had Range Rovers and helicopters, so that was just purely for his interest. This entrance, excuse me, this man is living the best life, and I'm so happy for him and for that. Um, so that was amazing. Um, but the the challenge itself, one partner, Goes up in a helicopter, the other partner standing out of the sunroof of a Range Rover. The partner in the helicopter, as the car goes down a long runway, has the chance to throw. They never said how many total bags of gems. I think they called them gems, but like fake diamonds, whatever, in little bags. Um, The winning team got 30, so who knows if they just had like... You get to throw as many as you can before you get to the end of the walkway, the the runway, or if it was like you have 35, however many you can catch, whatever. They didn't fully explain that, but you throw these bags down to the partner in the sunroof. As the car moves in and out, it does have some little obstacles that goes around, so occasionally that target is moving underneath you. Throw as many down as you can. When they get to the end of the runway, car stops. They get out with their bag full of gems, run to the finish line, First or team with the most the fastest wins. So it's a very cool visually. It's very cool um, playing it. Would certainly be amazing. It would have been so much fun to try doing this. Um, and just overall, it is a very good. Just not quite that great. Great level. Um, so B, maybe a B plus. And again, some of the visuals absolutely stunning. Let's talk notes on. Some of the teams will kind of go in order of the order they went more or less. Corey and Tori go first, and while I know they don't end the episode as partners, it should be said they have great rapport. The first time the two of them do a little joint interview right before they go, they're finishing each other's sentences, they're laughing, they're hugging, they're having fun, they're, they just have this amazing rapport, and that makes me wonder that even though, again, they don't end the episode as partners anymore, you know, it seems like they clicked right, or right away, and I think, you know... Uh, we'll get to it later in predictions but so far we're really nailing this the prediction of everyone's just gonna keep picking Tory as their female partner uh, so maybe Corey as a rookie rookie team gets thrown into elimination gets a chance to pick Cor- Tory again Corey Tori it's so hard to say that's why he messed it up he called her Tori L anyways um, so um, there's a chance maybe those two are, he that's the vet that Corey looks to to try to sidle up next to, work with a little, who knows, but just thought it was noteworthy. They had such amazing rapport and they did did decent in the uh, in the challenge itself. Then we got Jeremiah and Tacha, who had a nice little handshake and then went into a hilarious mean face um, that they made go on for like 10 full seconds, which is way too long to try to keep the growling mean face going on, but it was very h- hilarious. And, both of these, Jeremiah and Tacha have had very limited screen time so far, which, you know, when you start with a cast of 34, you're two episodes in, you know, some people aren't going to get much screen time if they're not a part of the big storyline in the first episode or two, so... Um, Hopefully, maybe they'll get more as the numbers dwindle down, but so far, I do like both of them. I very much enjoyed the brief moments we've had, and this was a nice little one to show you know that they've got some character, they've got some camaraderie going on, and that you know, if they ever do come up and one of the main storylines of the episode or they're getting thrown in, their name's getting thrown out, I think we can expect good things from them on the show half of things. Um, also, should be noted, Jeremiah flies out of that car. Very, very, very fast. We did not get to see. He, being from the U.S., was one of the ones out on the beach last episode. Did not get to see him run out. Um, dude, super fast. He mentions he was a former track star. I remember a uh, football background being mentioned, but I don't remember track background, but clearly has some running background. Dude was fast. All right, on to another team, Corey and Bettina, which... A few things about them. First off, Bettina's laugh. Sorry. We heard it the first week, but we heard... This week, we get Corey and Bettina doing their little interview, pre-Daily pre Challenge interview together, and Corey just mentions, you know, all i got to do is make her laugh, and then I'll know exactly where the target is, which Bettina then laughs to. And it is not only just this incredible, unbelievable laugh, but it goes on forever and ever. And the the face Corey makes is everything. When he first is just kind of laughing with it, but then as it goes on and on and on, he looks at her just like, what is going on here? What is this noise? Why is it still happening? Please make it stop. It is just unbelievable. And I've been seeing a lot, you know, it was already memed to death after one episode, um, that laugh, but I've seen lots of comparisons. The one I haven't seen, um, the one that I think of every, t- every time I've heard it so far is back on the duel two. uh, Challenge great, uh, one of my personal favorites from over the years. Real World Philadelphia alum MJ uh, back on Duel Two. There was a trivia contest. They were over water and they had to stand on a board. And if they got the question wrong, the board went out from under them. And they were dropped down into the water below. And when he when he fell. It was so unexpected and such a jolt. He made this crazy laugh that sounded exactly like what Bettina's laugh sounds like now. And he had an amazing interview moment right after it happened where he said, I think it was that he sounded like an injured seal as he fell down to the water below. So all I think of when I hear Bettina's unbelievable laugh is MJ and his injured seal laugh back on Duel 2. Um, So a great little just kind of callback unintentional callback to this funny moment from challenge Pass, But hopefully they make this girl laugh over and over and over the whole season that she's on there. Cause it's just amazing on the actual physical side. Um, Bettina is, I think I didn't take perfect notes and I've only watched once. I have another rewatch yet. I think she's the only female that goes in the car and Corey's the only male that goes up in the helicopter, which bad choice. Turns out Corey can't throw super well and Bettina can't catch super well. So they don't do all that well. Moving on, Ed and Emmy, Ed is just amazing, he's so sweet, he's so fun-loving, he's just the fucking best right out the gate, and he's the best possible partner for Emmy, it's it's a bummer, it's it bad for Emmy, Emmy should have pushed for them to stay together, because Emmy freaks out after, after the, first she freaks out that she doesn't tell Ed she's uh, afraid of heights until they've already chosen where they're going, and they're getting strapped in, and then he's like, I don't know if that was a great idea, and then she does all right, but not great. Uh, they kind of finish middle of the pack, and she comes down crying and yelling, and she's so mad at herself. She says, quote, I think I am the weakest. She's crying. She's running off, and Ed is just being such a sweetheart, trying to console her, trying to tell her she did great, all this. He does so well with handling what we come to find out over the process of this episode is kind of an emotional loose cannon of Emmy. wears those emotions on her sleeves, and she's in a tank top. Those sleeves start early, and so those emotions are flowing out often. And, uh, she lets it be known what she's thinking at all times. And he does such a great job in this moment. And again, in the elimination with working with her, keeping her calm. Um, so probably not great that those two split up. If I was Emmy, I'm keeping Ed. You you need a partner like that. If you're the kind of player that's going to be that emotional of a player, you need someone who's going to be able to work with that and, and kind of keep you centered and not, not rile you up more, not get frustrated by it and, um, you know, be a horrible partner for it. So, um, those two do all right, but Emmy shows, um, you know, she's got high standards for herself. She gets very upset when she doesn't do very well. We then get Ashley and Huey, who are barely shown, but they do show their score, which is ten, which is the next lowest score they showed of anyone. I think it was sixteen or seventeen. So Ashley and Huey clearly got last place again. It wasn't mentioned by TJ or anything, but I'm pretty sure they got dead last by a lot. And then uh, rounding it out, a couple they started going really fast. Through a bunch of the teams, but we had Amanda, Kyle finished with 25, Nani, Gabo finished 26, Nelson, Priscilla, 26, and Casey, Emmanuel, 28, so all solid showings from there, and should call out Priscilla and Gabo, Nani, Gabo, Nelson, Priscilla, quality showings from, you know, we've seen a little bit Gabo, we've only seen very, very little pieces of Priscilla, but I've been personally very impressed with those quick moments we've seen, and so a good showing. In the daily challenge, but none of them could keep up with Esther and Fessy with that 30 spot. Um, and it is mentioned a few more times on this episode that Fessi is playing through Ramadan and so is not eating from sunup to sundown and has been is a little nervous about how that could affect his performance. Esther is a little nervous as his partner and how that could affect his performance. So far, you know, they get the, ch- the daily win, which is awesome. Um, and mad respect to Fessy for doing this for, you know, sticking to his faith. Love to see that. Um, but would be interested to see that, you know, they got the win, they got some power, they made the best of that power. But if these dailies start to get more physical or more endurance space or anything like that, I don't know with the shooting schedule and with the, the COVID, uh, 10 day break that, that 10 day COVID lockdown or break might actually have really, really helped Fessy. I hadn't actually thought of that till right now, but, um, you know Ramadan. I don't. We don't know when the shooting is actually happening. When that is going to end, and when he will be, you know, post Ramadan able to eat a normal schedule again, eat and drink. The drinking is actually way more than the eating. Um, you can pound a bunch of calories in the middle of the night, but the water um, being dehydrated. If they get to some, you know, hot weather cardio-based things could be really tough, but so that 10-day break actually might have really come in helpful for Fessy down the line, but we'll see how long into the season that goes and if that affects him at all. Um, So they get the win. Overall, the whole daily, the visuals were great. The toys were amazing. Again, there was no need for that sports car that Amber B came in, that TJ came in, but fuck it, why not? You know, They they clearly have the budget. Um, They're clearly trying to pound home this spies thing, and TJ is the handler, so I guess he's got to drive it in a sports car. We'll see if every time he makes a big entrance like that, whether it's related to the challenge or not. And overall, it seems super fun. And as I mentioned before, it seems like one that I would really like to try, which brings me to a long running. I will try to only mention it here and there throughout the season. I've mentioned it before on podcasts. But I there's got to be someone out there. Please, Buna Murray, MTV, Viacom, someone. I have lots of requests of you. But my biggest one is get together with the folks that make Survivor. Get together all together as Viacom CBS and make a theme park where me and my friends can come try out different games from the challenge in Survivor. Please and thank you. This one could be one of one of them. I know gas for a helicopter and a car is a little expensive, but we all pay a big entrance fee. This is one of many games that it seems safe enough to let the general public try, and I would love to try it. So, overall, a very good uh, daily challenge. Let's then move on to the other athletic event of the show, and that was the elimination. The elimination, also, I'm going to give a grade of a B. Pretty good, not quite on that great level. Um, it's essentially a brand new one, or, you know, never seen anything exactly like this on the challenge before. First off, the choice of, you know, Tracy and Kells are already going in. The choice of Ed and Emmy to face off of them, probably the right choice. Um, definitely, you know, sticking with the, you know, fessi has got the kind of the power within him and Esther's group. Esther not willing to try to. Throw in, like, I want a vet, I want to vet or anything. Rock the boat with their partner, wanting to, it seems like, stay with him, stay a part of that vet alliance. Um, so if they're going for Roar rookies, you know, throw in the guy that just got there who's also big enough to, you know, physically have a shot versus Kells if it becomes a physical thing. And then Emmy has been, you know, a little bit more of a, the dramatic one, has, you know, started some stuff in the first episode. So why not throw the two of them, their partners, they're both rookies, no feathers really ruffled good choice all around by them and a strong team that you think can take out the person the with their main goal is beat kells so two good strong rookies who made sense for the whatever game they saw in front of them they didn't know what it was but they could tell it wasn't you know wasn't hall brawl or something like that so good choice uh, good strategy there as for the actual gameplay um so i didn't actually write down what they called this but uh they ended up choosing the women to go on this cage that the men flipped back and forth. And when the women were hanging upside down on that cage, they dropped a little magnet on a rope, picked up puzzle pieces that, of the six side dice like puzzle pieces, two sides were magnetic, clip the magnet to it, pull it up, hand the puzzle piece to your partner, flip back down, do it again. 12 total puzzle pieces first to get them all up, finish the puzzle, wins. Um, and a few notes on the gameplay of this. The main one is. Uh, so the real, the, the whole game was just picking up the puzzle pieces. This, this had almost nothing to do with the flipping the cage back and forth. That, that didn't really, it was basically, could you do that or not do that? And, um, that was all that mattered from that point. And then the puzzle itself, you know, it's a silhouette map of the world. We said it before. I, I think any of us could have done this, this is one of the easiest puzzles I've ever seen. Um, then put in one of these. So this all came down to who could get those puzzle pieces up the fastest, who could use that magnet and rope the best. And so I wonder Emmy and Tracy both had their moments of struggling moments where they seem to be getting a rhythm and then lose it. Um, I have no idea how it would have looked if either of them would have switched places. If either of the guys would have said, I want to be the one getting the puzzle pieces. I think Emmy and Ed could have pulled it off. Cause I think Emmy has the strength and Ed being a little bit smaller and probably not weighing nearly as much as Kel's big guy himself, but just a little shorter. doesn't doesn't weigh nearly as much. I think, Emmy probably could have flipped him back and forth relatively easily to start and still got it done 12 times back and forth. Not sure Tracy would have been able to get Kel's uh, big, big dude um, back and forth super fast. So I think they they both, you know, both teams made the only decision really there of, you know, the flipping only matters as much as it needs to happen. And, you know, the guys could do it very, very quickly and easily with both of the women being on it. And so it really just came down to the two women. Um, the main thing I'll point out, Tracy, uh, the, the big problem, I don't, I don't know. They, you know, they edited, we don't see everything, but, uh, she just kept grabbing the magnet itself, which was the huge drawback. And I think the reason Ed and Emmy won is as Ed and Emmy got this good flow of Emmy would start to pull up, pull up after she magnetized it and got it attached. And then Ed would also flip while she was pulling up. So even if it fell off at the last moment, she could kind of grab it or already be flipped over where she could hand it to him. And on the other side, Tracy kept, as she pulled the rope up to herself, her last grab of the rope before she would actually grab the puzzle piece. She kept grabbing the actual magnet itself, knocking it off of the puzzle piece, and the puzzle piece would fall And I don't think Kels, from his vantage point, could see that to maybe try to even, like, say she clearly didn't realize that was causing some problems. I mean, they showed it happened two or three times, um, at least, of that specific thing being the reason that she dropped one of them. She was also doing a little more of, like, the yanks, not quite of a steady pull where she was kind of yanking that magnet off. So, in the end, that was the the important position. Emmy got a little flustered early, calm, composed. Again, Ed Great, great partner through it all, kept her composed, kept being very positive about everything as he needed to be. I feel like that could go off the rails and is why I'm a little worried about Emmy with any other partner that isn't going to be able to be just purely positive, purely joyful the way Ed was during this, keeping her from kind of spiraling a little bit, getting too frantic or upset if something doesn't go exactly right. Kels did a decent job, but you could kind of feel his frustration coming through. Um, which, you know, I get it. He, you know, he felt like, you know, I came here to put my hands on some people. I'm this big dude. I got targeted because I'm this big dude and I don't even get to put my big dude physical skills, you know, on display here. I get to flip a cage back and forth and hopefully try to do a puzzle faster than Ed. So... Um, you know, all around kind of anticlimactic ending. It, it was they, they made it look like a very close race, I think it was a very close. I mean, they were both doing the puzzle, so no matter how they edited it, they both got to the puzzle relatively same time. Close race, Ed and Emmy get the win. Um, that's all we got for the elimination. So, we've covered everything we've covered the main storylines, the secondary storylines, we've covered the daily and the elimination. Let's then move into our final two segments of the day. Let's give out some awards. Let's rank some power teams and let's get on out of here. All right, y'all. It is awards time. We've got five of them to run through. Let's start with the best strategy. We'll start positive. Then we'll go to the worst strategy, which there was some pretty bad strategy today, but there was also some decent strategy. So let's talk best strategy of the episode. Three nominees. The first one is Kells. I know he ended up going home. I know he Got couldn't save himself from going in to the elimination, but I just thought he handled everything very, very well. First off, not taking the deal with Fessy that I don't think was a real deal. I think that was simply Fessy's way of saying, you know, we're going to have a deal if the house throws you in. I can still stick to, you know, hey, we had a deal. I didn't throw you in. I didn't want you to go in. I tried to tell you you were going in, whatever, Um So I think it was great that he handled that the way that he did. I thought he handled the deliberation very, very well. He knew he was going in no matter what. He outed everyone as lying about everything they were saying about him, but it didn't matter. Um, But I just thought he handled everything well, um, other than when we get to the worst strategy, uh, there'll be a small part that comes in. But I thought he had great strategy as far as how he handled, for the most part, those interactions. So he gets a vote on the best strategy. Second nominee is Devin Devin, uh, a little more in the background this episode, but still, you know, every so often coming in with just an amazing quote or interview. He'll be coming up a a few times throughout these awards, even though he had very little screen time. He made the most of it as usual, as the, you know, the greats do. Um, and he's very quickly becoming one of the greats, one of the stars of this show last season and now this season as well. Um, the strategy, though, of just of letting others do the work of taking advantage of that newfound big brother alliance that he's a part of, of, you know, kind of. You know, very clearly also wanting Kells out, but being like, oh, Josh, you want to take the lead on this one? Yeah, you take the lead, Josh. Your idea. You take the lead. Go for it. I'm just going to sit back here. I'm not going to take any heat. I'm not going to catch any flack. I'm just going to keep being the number one draft pick. Um, And just, I think he's quickly playing a masterful game of, if I don't have to be the one actually visibly pulling the strings, but I'm still, the strings are still being pulled where I want then I'm going to sit to the back. So he's learning well, learned from some of the best, and is definitely applying it. So he's second nominee. Third nominee is then Anissa, who I thought had a fantastic strategic moment after last week where we gave her the worst strategy award. Uh, This week, nominee for best strategy when she approaches her BFF, her podcast partner, Tori, and lets her know everyone's thinking about throwing in Kells. And she just massages it the perfect way to say, look, we're besties. I'm not putting you on the spot here. I'm not asking you to vote for this guy that you're kind of vibing with and becoming friends with or whatever's going on between you. But I am letting it be known that's where the vote's going and that the rest of the squad is kind of looking at how are you going to handle it. And I thought she just handled that interaction by challenging Tori without really challenging Tori, you know, being very subtle about it, just veteran savvy coming through in a big way there of like we're besties but I gotta also know you're a part of this alliance because friendship and alliance slightly different things here very different things you could say thought that was a great moment so those are your three nominees best strategy Kells, Devin, and Anissa I am going to give you know what? I'm going to give it to Anisa. She deserves the the best strategy. I kind of wanted to give it to Devin. Kels can't get it because he's going to come up in Worst Strategy as well. So he can't win Best Strategy um, if he's also going to come up in the same episode as Worst Strategy. Um, and Devin was too subtle, almost too subtle at the great strategy he was playing in this one. So Anissa, while also a very subtle move, was a very, an an obvious subtle move, if you will, obvious from the viewer standpoint, subtle in the gameplay moment. So Anissa wins best strategy. Now let's talk worse strategy. There was some bad strategy in this episode. Let's be honest. There's always bad strategy on the challenge. It's, It's hilarious that some of these people play this game so long and can't get things right, and that these new people come in and haven't watched enough of the game to get these things right. That's why they need to bring in folks like, I don't know, me, who maybe think could come in as a rookie with this strategy in place from studying everything. So, Budal Murray, call me. I'm still waiting. Um, I'll be training in the meantime. But anyways, so three nominees for worst strategy. First one is Kells, best strategy and worst strategy. The one spot that Kells really dropped the ball and he handled everything great that's why he was in the best strategy category but he was also in the worst one because just just put a name out there dude once you're cornered in that deliberation you did a fantastic job you called out this is all bullshit everyone in this room understands this is bullshit and lies and literally josh is just directly lying about me everyone good great he got the whole room to understand it was all all lies but the whole room didn't care because they just wanted someone to say Kell's name, and Josh, even if he was doing it via a bunch of lies, was doing it. And so Devin gives him the chance Says, Kels, You know, we at least need is. Are you at least going to say another name if you don't want people to vote for you? If if we don't think whatever's being said about you is true, put a name out there. And Kell's won it. And. Pick Josh. He's right there. He's right there. He just lied about you. Why didn't you say, I'm voting for Josh, and all of the rookies should vote for Josh? Because this guy's lying. The vets are lying about us. Second time in a row. One of them should be going in. Josh should be going in. We got he's got a champion partner that he just showed up, locked into it. Sorry, Amber, you love I love you. You seem great so far. Great job winning last season. But you and Josh are going in. That's why that, that's what you do. There you go. Boom. So Kells. Worst strategy by not putting a name out there, and at least once he realizes the whole house is voting against me, I guess you could say at that point it's a lost cause. Maybe don't ruffle any other feathers, but the feathers are ruffled. They're all terrified of you. They're all going to keep throwing your name in even if you win. So put another name out there. Call Josh back out. Call him out not just on his bullshit, but say, you get in there, and then let your boy Fessy throw me in, versus you, you know, Do one of those. So worst strategy nominee, Kells. <laughs> other worst strategy nominee, the second one. Is Josh? Oh my god! Just oh my goodness! Uh, this guy, uh, love him to death. He's really grown on me over the seasons. Uh, um, and but just coming into deliberation, and when no one would speak up, being like, "All right, I'll do it. I'll be the one. You know, I'm going to take leadership. I'm running the Veteran Alliance. I'm the one. I I came up with the target of Kels. I'm going to get him out. And just not just saying Kells is a rookie and He's big, strong, great dude. None of us want to see him in an elimination or final. So we want to vote for him. Uh, the me and a lot of the other vets are in agreement. That's all you got to do. No one cares. You're all voting for him anyways. And he would have been able to be like, all right, uh, whatever. I mean, you know, can I can't argue any of that. I am a great player and I am a rookie and, you know, that's dumb that that's why you're throwing me in. But what else am I going to say about it? He couldn't have said anything about it. That's all you got to do, Josh. You don't got to come in there and lie, 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 which... Under the radar, Josh lies about as much as anyone on these shows about things that seem inexplicable to lie about from last season on Double Agents when he lies to CT about Casey crying over the little who gets to cook their pizza or eggs first to now this, just saying he's making deals with everyone, right? Everyone, anyone, anyone making a deal with him? No, okay, he, he's not making deals with anyone, but he's making deals with everyone, just horrible, horrible strategy to lie that, that much. Um, if the rookies tar- get their act together, which we're talking about in a moment, and target anyone, I would assume it's now going to be Josh. Uh, it should be after this display, so go after him. Horrible strategy from Josh. Third and final nominee for worst strategy is a collective, and it is the rookies, the whole rookie class. What are you doing? What are you doing? Have, have any of you watched this show? Do any of you know how to count? Do any of you know how to do any strategy at all? This season started with 19 rookies and 15 vets. Now, as covered on yesterday's review preview, there was potentially supposed to be 17-17. Uh, Michaela let it be known that, it, that, according to her, it was supposed to be Jay and Natalie coming back and not Tommy And Michaela, or Michelle, let that be known. Excuse me. Michelle let it be known it was supposed to Tommy and Michaela weren't supposed to be there. Supposed to be Jay and Natalie, which would have made things 17 17, an even split. That would have made a lot of sense. But because of them potentially, if this is all true, dropping out and then bringing in Tommy and Michaela last minute, 19 15, the rookies had the advantage by four people to start the game. That's a huge advantage. And they did nothing with it. Literally nothing. They squandered it as fast as possible. I mean, we've seen two eliminations. All of all eight people in an elimination so far have been rookies. So we've seen four rookies go home via elimination, which went from 19 down to 15. We also saw Lauren exit for unknown reasons, but be replaced by a vet. So 15 down to 14. Meanwhile, those vets have stayed right there at 15. So now the vet's have more, even though, you know, Nam had, or no, excuse me, 14-14, 14-15, back the other way, Ed replaced Nam, Ed's a rookie. I got to get my numbers exactly right. But regardless, um, they squandered it, 19-15 lead, and you absolutely butchered it, and now it is 15-15, right? Yeah. They've lost four, one rookie replaced one vet, one vet replaced one rookie. Yeah, 15-15, so now it's even... And you lost your chance at an advantage and you lost your moments to do anything, um, to step up in deliberation and just have one of you say, let's all the rookies, every rookie in this room, ignore who your partner is, vote for this specific person, and boom, there you go. And you did it. So the rookies, horrible strategy, really blew it. And now you're behind the eight ball. A tie ball game is, is is a win for the vets. So those are your three nominees for worst strategy. I gotta give the award to Josh. I just, just incredible stuff from Josh. I mean, just. <laughs> Just incredible stuff. Horrible strategy, incredible stuff from Josh. He gets the award. Now, let's move to best quote. We'll try to rip through these real quick here. We have six nominees this week for the best quote. The first one will go kind of in order of what we saw on the episode. Amanda speaking on Ashley and Nelson's possible relationship and the the audacity of Nelson to even enter into some of that relationship. Take it away, Amanda explosion, Nelson. Good job. Way to come into the season clean. Ashley is crazy. She's my best friend, but this bitch is f- crazy and she will make your life a living hell if you mess with her. So Nelson, good luck to you. No truer words spoken about that relationship and obviously went downhill quick. Then second nominee is technically not a quote as no words were spoken, but Bettina's laugh. We just got to play it one more time. That's a nominee for Quote of the Week here. That is... When she laughs, I'll be able to hear her from up there. I'm just going to tell Bettina to laugh, and I'll be able to drop that thing right (laughs) in her lap, and we should get the W today. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and then... Uh, we've got Emmy. Emmy is going to, I as long as she's on the show, I feel like she's going to be nominated for quote of the week, maybe multiple times every week throughout it. She's got one on this one, and that is going into the Daily Challenge. They're wearing goggles. She's up in the helicopter, and she starts freaking out and crying, and she has a fantastic comment about crying while trying to wear those goggles. Here's Emmy. I'm crying right now. I have... Those goggles, and they are full of tears, and I have to throw the bags. Then two nominations for Devin, again, quietly still putting together another MVP caliber season, a star turn performance from him, even when he's in the background, he's making his impact via the interview room, via some quotes here and there. First one from him was in the moment, in the bedroom, as they're all talking over right as they're about to go out to the bar Ashley makes comment about stuff going down at the bar and Devin hits right back with flash forward to Ashley take it away Devin so just stay positive think okay something good's gonna happen someone's gonna lose their mind at the bar and put a target on their head because it always happens and flash forward to Ashley losing her mind at the bar (laughs) and Nostradamus Devin not an easy you know not a not going out on a limb on that prediction but that prediction did very quickly come true she did did lose her mind a little bit it wasn't at the bar technically it was after the bar back at the house but then Devin's second line also in reference to Ashley and deciding for all of us that you know what we don't got to call our millionaire Mitchell anymore she's got a new nickname take it away one more time Devin I don't think we should call her Ashley Millionaire Mitchell anymore. I think we got to switch that to Ashley Meltdown Mitchell because she has way more meltdowns than she does cash. Meltdown Mitchell. Just, I've, I've, I've long held. I'll share this here, this moment because it makes sense. The Millionaire Mitchell tag was. I always, you know, it made sense. It was great. She, she went with it, and that's great. She did win a million dollars. She didn't, you know, the way the taxes and everything works, she didn't get anywhere near a million dollars. And I'm assuming, depending. The only thing we know she spent any of the money on was a boob job. So maybe she put the rest in savings. Maybe she invested. it. Maybe she is still currently a millionaire. Maybe she's a multimillionaire. Tens of millions over. Who knows? I don't know what she's done with the majority of that money. But there's also a very good chance that Ashley never was a full-on millionaire and maybe isn't still today. And so definitely because of the last few exits and Devin's totally right. Her, her reputation isn't so much... She is the two-time champ. She always gets to say that, but her reputation is Meltdown Mitchell. I love the new nickname. That's what I'm going to be referring to her as the rest of the season. Or we'll, we'll be kind and go Millionaire Meltdown Mitchell. Maybe we'll add them together. Who knows? But Devin, two nominees. The final nominee for Quote of the Week goes to Kells, who had a couple moments, but specifically in the deliberation when he just lets Josh have it and lets him know... That yeah 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 this is all lies and first off, and most importantly if I was doing anything you ain't the one to that's gonna figure this out take it away Kels Josh no offense mm-hmm. you are not known to be the tactical smartest person in the room yeah if I was making moves bro you wouldn't be the one to discover it I promise you trust me oh trust it me. wouldn't be you oh. I mean that's just savage stuff gosh I'm I said it a bunch of times already but I'm gonna miss that guy I hope he comes back and I hope. We get to see a lot more of him in the future on the challenge. I'm going to go ahead and give the award to, because I'm going to miss him so much, I'm giving the quote of the week to Kels for firing back at Josh with that. So, Kels, at least you get kicked off the challenge, but you get quote of the week here at the Challenge Historian. Moving on to best moment for nominees. Number one, Amber's entrance. Again, no need for that sports car, but it was awesome. She made a grand entrance. I'm back, bitches. Love the whole thing, the vibe, the strutting in. Everyone going wild, deservingly so. Amber's back. I loved her whole entrance. That was a great, great moment. Even it's you know it's a great moment when it was literally in the trailer, but then seeing it happen was still a lot of fun, still great. When it when you see it once before, but then you see it in the trailer, or when you see it in the trailer and then you see it in real, in the real episode, and it still like is amazing in the real episode. You know it's a great moment. Next one, the Mr. TJ Miss Emmy. Uh, emmy calling tj mr tj multiple times again and this time during like emotional borderline hysterical crying not rants but kind of rants if you will or whatever and then at the end afterwards after she wins saying mr tj and he him saying back all right miss emmy it was just just great uh give tj and emmy that whole moment was awesome third moment of the week nominee everything ed did Every moment Ed was on the screen. Ed is amazing, as sad as I am to see Kells go. It, it was just such a bummer to have those two. One of them was going to go home, um, and, you know, Ed, Ed, everything Ed did was amazing. I'm so excited to watch him the rest of the season, hopefully for the length of the season. Hopefully he's around for a long, long time. Fourth and final nominee for best moment, and the one that wins the best moment of the week. This is a little bit of a personal preference, but Josh and Devin playing chess I it just made me it made me smile it made me giggle I just loved everything about it those I, I would love to actually watch the two of them play a game of chess just outside of the show just watching those two play chess for each other would be hilarious um, so that is my moment of the week for this episode final award let's talk MVP of the episode four people receive or five people received votes receiving votes but not quite winning were Kells who again one final time we're gonna miss him a lot Um, I thought he had a great performance even in loss, even in being eliminated from the show. He received some votes for MVP, as did Devin, again, just for the quotes and the good strategy and being able to make the most out of limited screen time. He got some votes for MVP. Emmy, elimination win, very great TV, a bunch of outbursts, being very interesting, being in the main storylines throughout the whole thing. Uh, She was great. She received votes for MVP, as did Fessy, the daily challenge winner, half of the daily challenge winning team. And having a couple of those shadier moments that we talked about, being a little bit better on camera. Him and Amanda had a funny back and forth at the bar about you know, both of them just completely acknowledging the polydicking that was at play. Again, Amanda's word, not mine. I want to make sure I always say that um, because I feel a little weird using that word, but only really want to when they're using it themselves. But Kels, Devin, Emmy, and Fessy all received votes for MVP of the episode, but the MVP of the episode only could be one person, and that was Ed. First episode, I mean, he, he appeared at the end of the last episode, The first full episode for rookie Ed from The Circle, my guy Ed, he's just the best. He was a great partner, absolutely great, great partner, read his partner well, knew exactly how to interact with her, handle um, anything that she was putting out there, worked together. And he's an all-around great dude. Everyone seemed to love him. He had great interview moments, came in hot with the, you know, I'm an Ivy League engineer. These people might just be thinking I'm sure and not that intimidating, but I'm about to wreck this. Just loved everything Ed was bringing, his vibe, his attitude, his just the energy, the smile, everything about it. He got the great elimination win. He got the great... Pick of being smart and just going with again. I think every guy that wins the elimination potentially is just going to keep picking Tori until one of them can pick her and then win a daily and hold on to her for a little bit. Um, or maybe she gets tired of it and I don't, I don't know, maybe she's not going to quit or something. So I don't know, she's going to keep getting picked, but Ed, all around. He's just the best. He was a great partner. He got a uh, was a pa- half of the elimination win. He's a great dude. He picked uh, Tori, which is a great job all around. Winning performance MVP of the episode is Ed. So those are your awards. Devin with the best strategy. No, excuse me. Anissa with the best strategy. Josh with the worst strategy. Kells with the best quote. Josh and Devin playing chess as the best moment, and Ed the MVP of the episode let's move into the final segment of the podcast and that is we're going right into it the power rankings and the predictions let's talk power rankings it's a total mess right now I felt very confident last week about making a power rankings after week one I don't feel super confident right now just with the rate of change of the teams I'm gonna keep it to team power rankings right now but next week I might switch it up to just a male and female power rankings with as much changing as going to be going on maybe I'll break it in to the two sides there But for now, we're going to keep it to the teams. And I'm I'm going bold for top-ranked team right now coming out of Episode 2. If I had to pick a team, if there was a way these teams were going to stay together the whole rest of the game... Ed and Tori would be top pick. Number one spot. Rookie Ed, one episode in, goes all the way to my top of my power rankings. There's a little bit of a bias of how much I love this guy playing into this, but he and Tori are a team to be reckoned with. I don't think they'll stay together long because, again, I think Tori's going to get picked. I also think Ed, by some of the other rookies maybe, if they want to level up but are kind of scared to pick a vet partner, might go for him. Um, So... Yeah, uh, I think they're number one. Number two, I'm putting CT in Berna. Again, CT has barely been shown on this, other than a couple glimpses where you just get the get the get the silhouette and no, dude's trim, he's lean, mean, coming back to the old form CT. Again, he's gonna win the season. I'll say that in a moment, one final time when we get to predictions, but Berna getting in a little hot water. We knew coming in that her and Amanda weren't going to love each other for reasons we discussed on the review preview show yesterday. Now her and Ashley on, you know, bad terms. So CT and Berna may be a target. Maybe if, you know, they want to get Berna out and the rest of the vets are like, shouldn't we also kind of target CT because he's probably going to beat us all again? Maybe, but I think if they get thrown in elimination, they win. And if anything, they maybe split up and maybe CT rises to the top of these rankings with whatever partner he picks. Maybe Berna uh, does the same. But they're number two, Fessy and Esther off the Daily Challenge win. And Esther's still quietly, a little bit more in the background, showing she's got some of that physical prowess. She seems to have a good, smart head on her shoulders about being strategic within the game. Fessy showing, you know, he's well on his way to making that third for three final. So Fessy and Esther, third place on the power rank. Corey and Michelle, Corey L, that is, and Michelle, the only all-rookie team to make the power rankings this week. I just think they're both going to be really good in eliminations, whether they, again, they'll probably not stay together if they, because they won the last elimination together and pick new partners, so if they get thrown back in, I think they potentially might pick new partners yet again, but For the time being, while they're together, I think they're by far the scariest rookie-rookie team, and I think if a rookie alliance emerges in any form or fashion, that they will be kind of at the lead of it in the most dangerous team of that. So they're in fourth. And then fifth place, quiet week, but coming off that week one daily challenge win, Anissa Logan. Logan, kind of the most very much under-the-radar rookie so far, yet... Clearly showing his athleticism, clearly showing he's smart. He's willing to take Anissa's guidance. He's willing to kind of play with the vets. So Anissa Logan, number five. So recapping the power rankings, Tori one, CT Berna two, Fessy, Esther three, Corey Michelle four, Anissa Logan five. That's that. Again, next week, we might switch it up to a male and a female. If, they, if everyone switches teams again next week, we're going to switch up the power rankings as well. But for now, those are your team power rankings. And finally, let's talk predictions. And boy, I've been excited to talk about the predictions because one week in, we're nailing them. And I have to give the disclaimer again, no spoilers here. None of this is, you know, me knowing things or looking up on the spoiler sites out there, anything. These are my own personal predictions. And so far, we've been nailing them. Let's recap. On last week's recap show, we made three big predictions for the season, one of which was CST is going to win. Standing by that prediction, nothing's changed there. Fessy is going to be the first to vet, the rookie's target. Standing by it, um, you know, wavering a little, but hasn't been proven wrong yet. So we shall see. But standing by that as a prediction, we'll see where that goes. We'll keep track of that. The third one, though, that was a season-long prediction that I already feel like I can say is a win is that we said Tory will have at least five different partners. She is now on her third partner in two episodes, and I'm I'm already taking my victory lap. She's easily going to get picked again, move around. She might win an elimination and pick someone else. Um, so uh, I think I'm well on my way. We'll we'll keep that updated. We're going to keep track of how often her and Devin currently both get picked. But so far so good on those long term predictions. Then the real the real winning predictions here. Yesterday on the Tuesday review preview, we made specific episode two predictions. Which, we made three, the first of which, four rookies would be in the elimination versus each other again. Boom, nailed it. Four rookies in the elimination. So that one, spot on. Second one, we said, was the winners of that elimination would pick Tori and Fessi. Half boom, got that half right. Fessi couldn't be chosen, so I would have been interested to know if he was available if he maybe would have been chosen by Emmy, um, but he wasn't. So half right on that, but Tori did get picked again. And then the third one, the easy one, the one that was kind of a layup of a prediction. As I said, someone was going to cry on this episode, and a lot of people cried. I think think Emmy got that for me three different times, Ashley a time or two. There might have been someone else in there, but plenty of crying. So been nailing the predictions thus far for this week. Those season-long predictions, I'm going to stick by all three. We'll keep updating as they go on. But we are going to wake, make, excuse me, man, can't talk at the end of the podcast here. We're going to make one more prediction for the season-long prediction to add into the mix. I've only got one to add this week. I'll try to at least have one more every week for a long term, and then we'll make some more episode uh, episode ones on that Tuesday micro pod. But my new one is Devin will make it further than Josh on this season of Spies, Lies, and Allies. I feel certain of this. I think I was going to say Josh was going to be the first vet out, but that would go against my prediction of Fessy being targeted, potentially. Probably not. Fessy might win. Josh would lose. Who knows? But I'm going with Devin. Devin's making it further than Josh. He's taking advantage of this partnership and this friendship. Uh, For those just listening, I did some air quotes around those, although I think they actually are really buddies in real life. But... Taking advantage a little bit of being in that alliance, uh, he's going to make it further than Josh, so we'll add that to the season-long predictions, we'll keep track of that. Those are your predictions, those are your power rankings, those are your awards, that's your recap, and that's your show. That is all for this week's recap. Thank you, thank you so much for being here with us. It was an awesome episode. So far, two episodes in this season. Is proven to be a good one. I think it's got the potential to build into an absolutely great one if things go right. Um, we will wait a few more episodes into the season. I think they're planning on doing, I think they said 19, but who knows how many reunions are a part of that. So at some point, we'll do kind of a third of the way through, maybe after four or five, and talk about the season as a whole and a little less episodic, but so far, so good. Very, very good season. Loving a lot of the new people. Some of the vets they brought back are doing a great job carrying the show, carrying the stories. It's been sad to see Nam go and see Kells now go, but uh, we got a lot of great people left. I'm super excited about Ed, if you couldn't tell. Um, So uh, a lot to come, a lot of greatness to come, and a lot of podcasting to come. Final reminder, if you have not already done so, please If you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe. Also, leave a rating and review, five stars only. That would be very much appreciated. That would be beloved by me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing anything like that. But that way, if you're following or subscribing, these podcasts will pop up in your feed every single week. And again, we will be here every Thursday morning, really late, late, late Wednesday night. We're going to watch the episode. We're going to take our notes. We're going to record the podcast, get it out to you as fast as possible so you have it the next morning. And then Tuesday evenings, look for those micro pods 10 to 15 minutes reviewing the last episode very briefly, talking about anything that's happened in the world related to the season in the six days between, and previewing the next episode. Episode getting you back on track, ready for the next night's episode. So Thursday mornings, Tuesday evenings, make sure you're following, subscribing. And if you want that daily content, if you want more challenge in your life, head on over to Instagram. Follow us at challenge historian on Instagram for some more daily content and things, both related to this current season as well as the challenge all across the board. All the seasons. We're currently re-watching free agents. There's gonna be a bunch of free agents related, uh, content coming up on the Instagram, as well as just all things challenge, history, stats, everything about the show. So that's on Instagram. You know where to follow the podcast. Thank you for listening. It's been a great week. It's been a great season thus far. I appreciate you being here for now. I'm signing off. I will talk to you next Tuesday night. Peace.